Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at iCloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. It's been a good day to be in the house of the Lord, hasn't it? God did some great things in this house this morning, and we thank him for it. If you have your Bible, you will. We can't go to Malachi. Right? Someone said today, it's too bad there's not a Malachi 2 or second Malachi, right? Um, but tonight I want us to, we still are going to look at what we saw in Malachi and see the fulfillment of it tonight in Luke chapter 1. So if you'll take your Bible and join me in Luke chapter number 1. And y'all glad to be here. I'm searching for a, I'm searching for a smile in the house tonight. Yeah, let me look around. Okay, I see a few. Just a few of y'all are smiling. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad that you're here also. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at Zacharias' prophecy, what we believe to be the first prophetic word uh, after the silence that we saw that started this morning, okay? Now, this is going to be Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 67, and we're going to be looking down through verse number 79, okay, through 79. Now, you guys, <clears throat> did y'all, uh, did God deal with you as much as he dealt with me uh, through, the, through the book of Malachi? Uh, the minor prophet. Man, I'm telling you, God used him in my life in a mighty way over these last few weeks. And I'm not going to let you know just yet what book we're headed into, but you'll find out soon enough, okay, uh, on, our, on our sermon series together through a book here in the New Testament. We'll be in the New Testament this time, okay? Um, but tonight, we're going to look at the fulfillment of God's promises, the two promises that he made at the end that we saw uh, this morning, that he, that he promised some things, right, in chapter 4. He promised uh, the, someone that would come, referred to as the sun arising, right, with healing in his wings and uh, some, some other descriptions about the sun rise that will arise. And then we also saw the promise of one who would come uh, as the spirit and pro- of the prophet. Do you remember what his name was? Elijah. Okay, so uh, two promises were made in chapter 4 of Malachi. Do you all remember that? Nod your head. If you don't remember it, nod your head anyway, so I know you're not asleep, okay? All right. And so Malachi, two promises he made. It was the sun arising. We knew who that would be. That would be Jesus, the S-U-N, who is the S-O-N. And then we knew that the, we know that the one who came as the spirit of Elijah, the, the spirit of the prophet Elijah, was none other than John the Baptist. Now, the first, this is interesting, the first prophetic word that we see called prophecy in the Gospels of the New Testament it's going to be found here in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 67. So 450-ish years of silence, and now God has spoken that. Now, not a prophetic word, but he's spoken through angels to Zacharias, who we're going to see is prophesying here a little earlier, in that he's going to have a son. And his son's going to be called John, remember? <clears throat> and Zacharias, as he's ministering uh, before the Lord, when God says to, through the angel, his name's going to be John, uh, he's, his question is, <laughs> how am I going to do that, right? And because of that, something happens to him. Do you remember what happens to him? He's stricken silent. He can't speak, right? All the way up until uh, John is born and they ask what John's name is to be. And they say his mama's name, he, uh, Elizabeth says his name is John. And they look to, they look to his daddy, Zacharias, and say, now what is his name going to be? And the first time he's able to speak, he says his name is 
John, just like God said, okay? So we've had the angels speaking to Zechariah. We've had the angels speak to a young teenage girl by the name of Mary, and his message to her was a little different than to Zacharias, right? Because Zacharias was having the prophet, the one who's coming in the spirit and power of Elijah, but Mary was not having a prophet. She was having the prophet. She was having the Messiah, and his name is Jesus. And he says to her that she's going to have the son of the living God, and that that's going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon her. So now we see the coming of the Christ child and John the Baptist, and we have here the first uh, spoken prophecy, okay, uh, God speaking through a man, and let's look in tonight to what he had to say. Isn't that interesting how this all ties together? Yeah, okay, well, it is. You may not know it is, but it is, all right? So <laughs> I want to encourage you to stand on your feet tonight, and let's dive in, okay? <clears throat> let's read together Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 67. Now, remember, this is recorded by a man by the name of Luke, right? Uh, the letter is named after, and it was written to someone named, you ought to remember this, Theophilus. Well, you guys are starting to learn your Bible, and it fires me up, okay? And the purpose was to, re to say to him all the teachings, the time, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus was absolutely true, right? And so here we have this recording of the early part of Jesus' life. Verse 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he did what? prophesied, all right? Now, what is God going to say through Zacharias? Ready? Verse 68. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Oh, there's that word again. It's all over the word, isn't it? The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve God, might serve him rather without fear in holiness and righteousness before him. How long? Now, oh, oh y'all said all the days. Yeah, go ahead. All the days of our life. And you, child, <clears throat> will be called the prophet of the highest. So the first portion of this, Zacharias is talking about Jesus. Now we see a pivot. In verse 76, and he's now speaking about who? John the Baptist, all right? And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. How? By the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. He goes back now at the end of the prophecy to speak now about Jesus again, the day spring from on high, to give light to those, uh-oh, sounds like a sunrise, doesn't it? To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's pause for a word of prayer. Will you bow with me? <clears throat> God, I, I just want to say thank you tonight for gathering this many people out in the middle of nowhere. And Lord, I'm just looking back over the journey you've allowed me to participate in out here uh, to remember on some Wednesday nights being eight people in attendance to look around and see this many people hungry for your word at the end of a first day of the week when they could be home early, what our mind says, making better preparation for the week. And yet you've tuned our hearts to say, this is where we can make the best preparation. So thank you for a people who are hungry. Thank you for people who are willing to teach the children. Thank you, Lord, for our praise team and the media team and security and all those with our youth. Thank you for the work you're doing tonight. Now, Lord, would you speak through me? 
And help me, Lord, by the power of your spirit and the gift of preaching to preach this word in such a way that all of us get it. And God, I pray you tune our ears into your voice. My words would be your words. And Lord, that you would write the words of your message on our hearts tonight. And Father, may we leave here transformed by it. Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you to do a work of grace. We need better understanding of your word, better application. Help us, Lord. We want to glorify you. So do it. Do it again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And so tonight, the title of the message is simply Two Promises Fulfilled. Two Promises Fulfilled. We're going to sort of, if you would, put a bow on the package of messages that came from the prophet uh, Malachi, all right? And so as we look through and we hear about all, you remember all that he said, he began by saying, because of my love for you and because of my magnitude, you ought to be responding to me differently than you are. To sum it up, we would say the way that you're responding to me is by giving me your scraps, your leftovers, right? And God said in the midst of all that, because you've given me your scraps, I don't ever want to see you again. I'm sending lightning and fire and I'm burning all y'all up. No, he said, I want you to know there are two destinations for all people. One is a future of fire. One is a future of full pardon and reward. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to send two promises to you. And to show you that what I want you to do is turn. One promise is going to bring the turning. One promise is going to bring the salvation. We're going to talk about both those promises tonight, okay? Are you glad? Anybody glad? I love how all this fits. I don't know about y'all, but I love how all this fits together. I'm telling you. So here we go. Two promises fulfilled. The main idea of our passage tonight simply is this. God fulfilled his promises to provide life abundantly. Sounds a lot like this morning, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, God, God fulfilled his promises to provide life abundantly. Okay? Write that down somewhere. Think on it as we walk through the passage together. There are only two Roman numerals tonight, so you might be out early. Let me just watch your face. Somebody, I'm not going to tell you what somebody's face just said. You don't know your face. Sometimes your facial expressions speak. Did you know that? They do, yeah. Somebody looked down like, man, I'm so sick of hearing you say that. Uh, <laughs> Roman numeral one. Write this in your notes. Uh, the sunrise, S-O-N. The first promise dealt with here by this prophecy by God through Zechariah uh, uh, in dealing with Jesus and John is going to focus on the S-O-N that was promised to rise in Malachi chapter 4. Now we're going to see the sunrise. It's coming up. Uh, again, I talked to you this morning about how, isn't it wonderful to see the sun come up outside? And I talked to you about, you know, being on the beach somewhere, and I lost, there was a bunch of my lost. They never even came back to the message. They were hearing waves crawl, you know, they were thinking about the sand and all that, and I never got them back. Um, but, but, but there's another portion of us that would think, not just about the, that kind of sunrise, but to be, one of my favorite sunrises to be in a deer stand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, men and women in the room, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So you're there and it's quiet and it's dark. Uh, and I like to get there early and just to kind of sit there in stillness. And this is the first year in 36 years I didn't get a chance to hunt. And that's something I, I did that to myself, but we'll talk about that later. And to sit there in the darkness and, and then to watch creation wake up with the sunrise. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Now, it's not always beautiful when those squirrels sound like that buck you've been looking for. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When they're MMA fighting the leaves around you and you know for sure it's that big buck you've been waiting on and, and yet to see the sun come up, you know, and there's a, maybe it's cold out and the frost is there and the sun, I can't wait. Sometimes when I get cold, I can't wait for the sun to hurry up, hit my face, you know, and, and start warming me up a little bit. 
And so now we have that promise, this, this comparison in Malachi chapter 4 of a sunrise that's coming uh, to bring light into our darkness. Now we hear the prophecy fulfilled in Luke chapter 1. So let's read. This is going to cover verses 67 to 75. You're keeping notes. Write this in your notes so you can go back and study some more on your own. <clears throat> it's going to cover verses 67 to 75, then, then 78 and 79. Remember what he does. <clears throat> if you're thinking about it in sections, he talks about, he talks about Jesus John and Jesus at the end, right? And so just keep that in your mind. So that's the reason there's some verses skip. 67 to 75 and then 78 and 79. Let's look at it. So in verses, uh, beginning in 60, 68 rather, blessed is the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people. This sunrise, and I'm gonna to talk to you about four, write these, there's gonna be a list of four, four things that this sunrise was, this sun is, number one, the sunrise of, number one, salvation, the sunrise of salvation. You see, man was in a terrible spot. We were in miry clay. We had no hope of being made good. We couldn't be right with God. The sacrificial system only paid uh, the, the minimum payment on our sin. It never fulfilled the principle. <clears throat> and then the sun rose or the sun arose or the sun was born. And now we have hope because God himself has visited us to redeem us from our sin. How many of you are thankful tonight for the salvation that God purchased with the blood of his own son, Jesus? I wish that you and I would go out then, if, if that's true, what you just nodded to, because you got, some of y'all gave me a little half-hearted nod. Some of you about nodded your head off your shoulders. Some of you just stared at your page, right? I was looking all across. <clears throat> and I wish unto God that you would see the gratefulness of God and the graciousness of God, that he would kill his only son. He'd let his only son be tortured at the hands of his creation so that you and I could be forgiven and you'd give a little more credence to it than nodding your head just a little bit. That you'd walk out of these doors and live a life saturated with gratitude and how you deal with people and graciousness and how you respond to people that work with you and that you get to work with and the teachers and the people in your class and that your life would be a fulfillment that you have received this salvation that you could not have got on your own. You couldn't get it at Walmart. Come on, somebody. You can't find it at the end of a bottle. How you know that? I've tried. Uh, you can't, there's nothing this world has to offer that can save you, but God himself, the sun rose and visited us. And because of that, we can be saved. Well, that's good news tonight. Number one, the sunrise of salvation, 68, 69. He says, and he raised up a horn. The horn in the picture is, there's a picture in the scripture of strength. The animal that has a horn, you better leave him alone. Anybody out there? I would encourage you not to try and wrestle with an animal that has a horn or two horns, right? And so whatever you do, don't try and tackle those on your own. A horn in the scripture is not the horn for blowing or blasting, but it is the horn of an animal. And it represents, you can find that over in Revelation as well, it, 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 it represents power, okay? So he raised up for us the power of, do you understand the sacrificial death of Jesus looks so humble? Matter of fact, through the lens of the world, it looks like defeat, doesn't it? That the king would be captured, that the king would be crucified. That doesn't look like victory. Um, but God in his wonderful plan sent his son Jesus and the horn of salvation, the power of salvation was his willingness to die in our place. Wow, that's power, isn't it? 
That's some kind of power. So he raised up for us a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David. So number one, the sunrise that was promised is now being fulfilled in this prophecy in the, in the birth of Jesus. He's the God of salvation. We say it in John chapter three and verse 17. Write that verse in your notes there. Uh, for God did not send his son. We talked about it this morning a little bit. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, here it is, might be saved. I just wanna look at you tonight and ask you a simple question. You ready? I don't answer it out loud. Just answer it on the inside. Are you saved? Are you saved? I'm not talking about your neighborhood or that. Well, we got so many neighborhoods now. We got a new neighborhood back there underneath the sound booth. Isn't that, that's a pretty cool neighborhood. By the way, if I was here, that'd be my neighborhood back there. <clears throat> not that I'm not here. You understand. But think for a moment about, <clears throat> think for a moment about <clears throat> the fact that he sent his son into the world not to condemn us, and beat us down and make us feel worse for our errors, but instead to reach down and to save us. And so if I was to ask you tonight, just one-to-one, -one, are you saved? You, you may have the question, saved from what? And if you've ever heard me talk about what salvation is about, you know that it's really two major things that he saved us from. First, it's the power of sin. And what is the power of sin? Sin by itself, unchecked, un undealt with by God, is a dominating force that you and I can't overpower. So he saves us from the power of sin. We're no longer dominated by it, slaves of it. But secondly, he delivers us from the penalty of sin, which is not, listen, it's not just hell. It's, it's even the separation of God now. And Jesus Christ saves us from that. Wow. Uh, that he would deliver us. What a sunrise, amen? The most beautiful sunrise ever happened, happened when Mary delivered to us the Son of God. The sunrise, okay? It's the sunrise of salvation. Number two, <clears throat> here in verses 70 to 73, write this in your notes. It's the sunrise of promise. Verses 70 to 73 talk about in Zacharias' prophecy that Jesus, his prophecy, Jesus is the, is the sunrise of promise. Look in verse 70. <clears throat> he says, God has risen in verse 68, 69, this salvation, just as he spoke, watch this, by the mouth of his, come on now, say it like you, you ain't just get it from your nap, you ready? And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. They belong to him. They're holy, set apart. They're prophets. They're mouthpieces of God. Like, notice they're plural, but there's one, if, if I was to come to you tonight and say, uh, Brandon, who is a, uh, one of those prophets, you'd be able to say, just from this morning, you'd be able to say who? Malachi. Malachi was one of them. Well, well Brandon, how do you know he promised that, uh, that, 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 that there was going to be a son, a son coming? Oh, chapter 4. He said there's going to be a sunrise. And this son was capitalized, and it spoke about this son bringing healing in his wings. And he's going to be the answer for mankind's struggle. And so now you understand what he's saying here, the prophets told about before Jesus ever came. Now, 450 years of silence is broken by the Holy Ghost prophesying through Zechariah, saying, the son has risen. Hallelujah. Now you say, wait a minute, he ain't been crucified yet. He hadn't been dead and buried. What do you mean risen? I'm not talking about risen from the dead. I'm talking about like the sun coming up in the darkness. Jesus, when he was born, the sun arose. And I'm so thankful for it. So he's the son of promise in 72 and 73. He just keeps talking about God promising to send Jesus as our help. Let me read verse 71. He said, by the word of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy. Now, Jesus came to perform the mercy promise. There it is again. 
to our fathers and to remember, here's, here's God's part, to remember his holy covenant. Now, covenant is an agreement between two people where both parties have responsibility. God said his part of the responsibility was he was going to provide salvation. You, you do understand why? Because we lack the power to do so. We were hopeless and without God and without hope and any way of reaching him. And so he came down to us. Aren't you glad of that? Does your life reflect the gratitude that God sent his son down to us? That, that, that Jesus was the prophecy given so long ago, then was fulfilled in his coming. And now you and I get to go and tell the world that God's a promise keeper. He said from thousands of years before his birth that he was going to sin. There was going to be a sunrise and the sunrise came and the sun can shine in your life. Let me read on just a little bit. <clears throat> Verse 73, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. So 70 to 73 talks about this sunrise is uh, the fulfillment of the sun rising is a, is a, a son of salvation, is a son of promise. Uh, but he's also a son of privilege. Would you write that word down? The sunrise is a list of four. We're on number three. It's the sunrise of privilege. How many of you like privileges? Four of, wait a minute. I know what it is. You can't write and raise your hand at the same time. Let me give you a minute. All right. <clears throat> All right. Now let me ask, you've had a moment to write. Okay, the son of privilege. How many of you enjoy privileges? Okay, I was, that's what it was. That hand was writing. So you, you know the difference between a right, something that you, you, you have no matter what, and then something that is a privilege is different, right? Uh, did your parents ever help you understand that? Mine did. Mine said, oh, you can't do that anymore. I said, yes, I can. It's, and they said, no, 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 that wasn't a right. You don't have that right. It was your privilege. We allowed you to do that as something extra. So I want you to consider for a minute a privilege in your life right now, okay? Can you think of anything that would be, you would consider in your life a privilege? I would say, some of you are looking like, wait a minute, let me think about it. All right, I would say to, in my life, <clears throat> it is a privilege for me to be married to Tina. It's not a right, it's a privilege. God has granted me graciously the privilege, right, to be married to her. Um, it is my privilege to be the pastor here at Hickory Ridge, right? It's not a right guaranteed to me. It is an extra that God has given me graciously in this life. Um, would anybody else like to say something that you consider in your life that is a privilege? Kids, somebody said kids, I think. Kids are certainly a, a privilege, not a right, but a privilege. Uh, anything else you can think of? Worship is a privilege. Going to church is a, is a privilege, not a right, it's a privilege, right? Okay, so I want you to understand how I'm framing this up. So put your eyes back on the text. So remember, this is the first prophetic word through Zechariah after the silence. Remember what he said to him at the end? There's two destinations, Right? One future of fire, one future of pardon and reward. It all has to do with, with how you handle the sun that rises, that's going to rise, okay? And what you do, in essence, with Jesus. So in 74, he says to grant us. Now, uh, granting someone something is to grant them something they couldn't on their own and that they necessarily didn't deserve. Does that make sense? Uh, privileges are granted. I'll grant you the privilege of you fill in the blank. To grant us that we, now there's a comma, and he's going to talk about the condition that they're in because of the son, Jesus. Uh, how did he define them? They're delivered from the hand of their enemies. Do you see that? Uh, so now he just used that comma, that, parent, that right there is just describing a little more about who they are, granting us, and they defined who us are, the ones who've been delivered from the hand of our enemies. By the way, who in here 
would you and I say, have been delivered from the hand of their enemies? Us, those of us who've been born again, right? I can't say for you, but I can say for me. <clears throat> now watch. Now he's going to say what he granted us comes after the commas, okay? So to grant us, skip what's in the commas, because we already know that defines who they are. To grant us that we, here it is, might serve him without fear. So when the sun rose, in essence, when Jesus was born, and then he went to the cross and died, and then to the borrowed tomb and rose again, he granted us a privilege. Now, I'm telling you, <clears throat> being born in America has ruined us to really even grasp this concept. We do not feel privileged to serve anyone. Come on, somebody. Oh, boy, we got our Sunday school looks on. Uh-uh, I think it's a privilege to serve people. <clears throat> then you've never complained in your whole life, right? And you've never halfway done anything in your whole life. And you've signed up and you're serving in the nursery already. And we had, I don't know, Jackie told me something like 22 two-year-olds this morning. And we need more people serving there. So I know that you're already serving. So I can't ask you in here, right? Because you see it as a privilege to serve and you're finding every opportunity. So we got to look somewhere else. Except that the truth of the matter is we don't all see it as a privilege. We see it as a, oh, this hurts. We see it as a, Chore, or here's a word I would use. It's chore, definitely, a burden. They're asking me to, they want me to, I mean, can't I just come in and get a seat, enjoy, you know, the worship and praise and get a word and get my kids and go home? And we've, we've because America's so saturated with a consumer mindset, you know, how I want the room, how I want the music, how I want, how, how I can work hard and get what I want, and that saturates our mindset so we never get to the place where the humility sets in and says, God, listen to me, Jehovah, El Shaddai, is allowing the creature to serve the creator. That he would even invite me into the mission of redemption, reaching the world and setting captives free is absolutely astonishing. And yet many of us are not astonished at all. Many of us are looking for ways to dip around to sign up, to dip around serving in the nursery or teaching or serving in any capacity. We're looking for any opportunity to sort of slip by any responsibility. <clears throat> and Zacharias, Zechariah rather, <clears throat> filled by the Holy Ghost, said, God is granting us a privilege. And the privilege that God is assigning or giving to by this sunrise, the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus, is that the, you and I, the creatures, can now serve the creator. What an honor. What an honor to say, Lord, take these two hands and help me to do something for your glory. God, if it's rocking babies if it's sweeping the floor, if it's, if it's standing at the door greeting people as they come in, oh, God, grant me some opportunity that I might serve you. I wonder what's wrong sometimes in our lives where we're missing that, that, that heart of gratitude that says, Lord, show me any place that I might could plug in to serve you. One of my favorite testimonies is a testimony called Bus 19. You'll have to look that up sometime and listen to the excerpt of a man who was uh, lost and his visitation team comes by and 
he gets born again, and I'll leave the rest up for you to find. But testimony of bus 19, you check that out. It'll bless your socks off. So then, let's get back to the text. To grant us the privilege of serving God. He is the sunrise of privilege, right? Only because Jesus Christ was born of a virgin can somebody like me serve God. Not just serve God, but watch this. That we might serve him, first of all, you ready? Without fear. Now, what is Zechariah, what is he, what is he speaking of? What's Zechariah speaking of here? What is he saying that we can serve him without fear? Uh, most of us in here, <clears throat> because we're on the, this side of the cross, we really don't understand the fear of the Lord. Uh, like when the Ark of the Covenant was traveling one day, carried by specific people, because God said only certain ones could carry it, had to be carried a certain way, and it started tilting. <clears throat> and when it started tilting, someone who was not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant reached and touched the Ark of the Covenant. Does anybody know what happened to him? He died. Now, would you say that if the Ark of the Covenant was about to tilt over, would you say that catching it from falling would be serving the Lord? Yeah. Yes. But because he was not the specific person, specifically ordained of God, in the role of, of touching the presence of God, when he, touched, when he touched it, when he tried to serve by touching, what happened? He died. Now you understand. But now that Jesus has come, we can serve him how? without fear. See, the concept of me and you saying we're going to serve the Lord by any particular way, making disciples, serving in the nursery, preaching, it ought to scare us to death that we'd even be able to do that on God's behalf, except there's Jesus who took away our sin and made us acceptable in the sight of God. And now when God looks on us, instead of seeing a wretched sinner, <laughs> he sees those who've been washed in the blood and made perfect. How about that? So we don't have to serve him in fear. We don't have to hide over in the corner. We don't have to say, I'm not worthy, right? My past is horrible. It's just what the past is. It's the past, especially if you've been born again. So you, let me ask you a question. You're beginning to understand that a little better now, what it means to serve him without fear? Yeah, it's, it is awful arrogant of me and you to never have considered that we don't deserve to serve him, you see. But because of Jesus, we've been granted the privilege of serving the Lord, and we don't have to be afraid. We can serve him. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. That means this week I get to serve the Lord, and God's granted me. So he's the son of, pri the son of privilege. I'm not saying he's privileged. I'm saying he granted for us the privilege of serving God <clears throat> without fear, but he's not through. He's not through. In verse 75, he says how we can do it without fear is because now we can serve him now because Jesus applied to us, right? When we receive Jesus, we trade in our sin and guilt and we receive from him. We are clothed in robes of righteousness, right? We have a covering, an appeasement, if you will, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And when God looks at me and you, he looks at us through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are holy and righteous. Boy, that ought to make somebody want to clap and slap and shout out loud instead of just sort of sitting there. Amen. Yes, it's good news. It's wonderful news. Listen to what he says. Let me read it again. To grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. We don't have to be afraid. Why? Because in Jesus, the promised son who rose, in, we can serve him now in holiness, y'all help me, and righteousness. 
We can do it all before the Lord. Remember, as you serve God, no matter what is the service you do for him, to him, it's before him. And he goes on to say, all the days of our life, not just for little short seasons, but from the time in which we receive him until the day in which we are received by him into our heavenly home, we can serve him. What a wonderful, wonderful testimony of the sunrise of privilege. No, and then lastly, the sunrise, we're skipping down to verse 78, 79. Now wait, some of y'all are like, why are we skipping? Why are we skipping? Let me ask you, why are we skipping those verses? Because they deal with John. So we're skipping down to the ones that deal with Jesus. Boy, you guys are getting sharp, I'm telling you. Verse 78, through the tender mercy, here's the number four. We said the sunrise, one of salvation, two of promise, three of privilege, four of light. The sunrise of light. We dealt with this in its entirety this morning, so we'll hit it lightly tonight. No pun intended, okay? Here we go. Look with me in 78. Through the tender mercy of our, do you see the personal pronoun there? Of our God, the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. Why did he come? Why did Jesus visit? He came, help me all, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. He came to shed light so that we would see what light is, to help us not be afraid in the valley of the shadow of death, to light up the pathway for us to know where to go. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to think about two major ways that Jesus lit up the path for us to know how to walk. Number one, verbally, right? He taught, Sermon on the Mount, different places, what does the kingdom life look like? Matthew chapter six, right? He speaks about what kingdom life looks like, what the priorities of the kingdom are, what our attitudes should be, how we're to carry ourselves if we're to follow him. All right, he did that, number one, all right, verbally. But number two, he demonstrated it. So one, through the words he taught, but number two, by the actions that he lived. Remember, the word of God says that he was in all points tempted, just like you and me, there was an exception, except he did it, perfectly, flawlessly, without error. So how did the day spring from on high visit us and light up the path? He taught us both by words and by actions, okay? All right, let me move on. So that is the sunrise of light. And then second promise that was fulfilled is, we said number one was the sunrise, S-O-N, but the second promise fulfilled from Malachi chapter four is the prophet. Let's talk about the prophet, okay? And that is going to be found in, first of all, let's, now we're going to turn back a little bit, okay? Y'all okay to stay with me? Yes? All right, Luke 1, still in chapter 1. I just want you to look back a few verses to verse 13 to 17. Will you find your place there? All right, when you find your place, look up and I'll know that we can go ahead. <clears throat> we talked about the sunrise, that promise was fulfilled, but also the prophet. Luke 1, 13 to 17, then we're going to turn back and hit 76 and 77, okay? You there? All right, let's read, beginning in verse number 13. But the angel said to him, who's him? Zacharias. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will... Turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Do you remember a prophecy in Malachi that spoke about turning the hearts of the children 
to the fathers. You remember that? And okay, all right, just read a little further. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of, oh, it's all making sense now, isn't it? He'll come in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the, ch- oh, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Why? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The question arises in my mind, how in the world is a person prepared to receive the Lord? They have to repent. They have to turn. That was John's whole ministry. You've got to change your mind that you're not God. You have to change your, he has to change your mind that you're no longer worthy to lead your own, to call your shots and, and direct your own path. You, you, you're not strong enough to walk free of sin, but there is one, if you'll allow him, who can. And that is John's ministry. So uh, you hear the Old Testament prophecy that, that John was going to be in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord. What does that mean? Is he going to go pave roads? Is he going to go make hotel arrangements for Jesus? What does it mean that John's going to prepare the way? He's going to tell the people that before they can ever receive the Lord, they have to repent. They must repent. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. And before a person can ever receive Jesus as Lord, we have to have a repentance. We have to turn away from our way of thinking, our way of living. We've got to be thoroughly convinced that that's not the right way. And then we have to act on it. Repentance is not just a head thought. It's a head thought that changes the way that we live. We turn away from the old way and we turn unto him. What a powerful testimony of this promise fulfilled. Okay, so let's do this. If you will, uh, turn with me now after we've read verse 17, okay, and flip with me now to verse 76 and 77. We're gonna finish this thing, okay? 76 says this, and you child will be called the prophet of the highest. Now, remember, this is the prophetic word as the Holy Spirit is speaking through Zacharias. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. How's he going to do it? Is he going to pave a golden road for Jesus? No. Is he going to make all the hotel arrangements and gather his food? No. He's going to teach the people that their only hope to receive him is through repentance. They have to turn. They can't stay on the same path. Listen, you can't go with the world and go with Jesus too. Let me say that to you again. You can't go with the world and go with Jesus too. There's a line of delineation between the two. You can't ride the fence. There is no fence. You're either on one side or you're the other. There's two destinations. There's two futures. And there's also two present conditions. And so he says, uh, give knowledge of salvation, oh, the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring has visited. What a powerful testimony of who John was and is, and really more than that, who our God is. Again, uh, why God would ever say to man, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to turn. When we are headed a thousand miles an hour away from him, And he would say to us, you're not looking for me, but I'm looking for you. That he would say to us, you don't want to, you you want to just sort of halfway do this thing and even pretend, you know, religion, but I still want you. We we go and do our own thing. He says, I still want you. And he's pursuing, he's chasing after. And I don't know about you, but it makes me love him even more. Helps me to understand that that he's a promise keeper. I want to read a couple of verses in closing. Well, about six, that'd be all right. Here we go. Uh, Write in your notes here, and we're going to close here. Mark 1, 2 through 8. I'm just going to read them, and I want you to ponder them, all right, as we prepare to close, okay? Mark 1, 2 through 8, all right? As it is written in the prophets. I think it's on the overhead. Read it with me. As it is written in the 
prophets. Old Testament, mouthpieces for God, right? Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. What was John's message? Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism. Now, I told you this morning that he was preaching a certain thing, and I want to prove it to you rather than you just think I said it, okay? The make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of, help me somebody, repentance. Now, he just said he's going to make wise to, not, to, to give knowledge of salvation to the people by the remission of sins. Here, he says, he's going to baptize and was preaching a baptism of repentance that leads to the remission of sins. How can I have my sins forgiven? I can repent and turn to Jesus and have my sins forgiven. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and all were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Did you know that part of repentance is confession? You see, when I'm committing the act of sin, I don't confess because I feel like what I'm doing is fine. Matter of fact, I tell people, don't judge me. But when repentance hits, I come clean. And I'm willing to say, this is what I've done, and it's wrong. That's what confession, confession is not, uh, excuse me, repentance is not, I'm sorry, and I keep going. Repentance is, I acknowledge God. I, I, I confess with my mouth, this was wrong. I was wrong, and I turn away from it, you see, by the power of God to help me, all right? So he goes on to say, now John was closed with, let me just read a little more, went out to him and all were baptized by him in the Jordan River confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. Wouldn't you like to have seen him? And he ate locusts. How about that? I wonder sometimes if they were dipped in chocolate. No, probably wild honey, right? Locusts and wild honey. Wouldn't you like that to be your diet? Locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, listen to what his message was, repent, turn. Why? Why should we repent, John? Why should we repent? Why would we turn? We're doing our own thing. We're our own captain. We're doing, we're having a good time. We're worshiping God. We're giving him some lambs. Uh, maybe they're stolen. Uh, maybe they're lame. We're giving him some scraps. I mean, we're giving him, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he says, here's the point. One who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. My, my, my. Isn't it beautiful how all this fits together? You see, in Malachi 4, we have two promises. There's, well, we have two destinations, one of fire, one of pardon and reward. We have two promises, the sunrise and the prophet. We skip four, 450 years, and we pick up here to the first prophetic word, and what we find of the two promises, what? Fulfilled. You see, God fulfilled his promise to provide life abundantly. For whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. Here's what I want to tell you in closing as we bow our heads. Listen, he's a promise keeper. You can trust him. You may not can trust anybody else in your life. Matter of fact, I would encourage you, don't even trust yourself. But there is one who you can trust all the time, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Now, as you bow your heads for just a moment, I want to say that the altar is open just in case there's somebody here tonight who just feels led to come and spend a minute there before the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> so I'm going to take, give you just a moment to come up out of your seat and make your way out. And I know there's some distances to be walked. I pray that you wouldn't let the distance from your seat to the altar to keep you and the spirits moving for you to come and just spend some time in prayer. I wonder if there's anybody who'd come and pray for lost souls. I'm going to wait just a minute. Sunday night, it seems a little less eager. We've got one that's willing to come and pray for lost souls. 
I'm going to invite you to do this with me. Will you stand with me for just a moment just to make possible? There may be somebody who just doesn't want to bump everybody. With heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. I, I feel like there's somebody in the house tonight who's really worried about some things. Now, I don't know who you are, but you do. And so what, what I'd like to do is <clears throat> I'd like to ask you to be seated. Will you do that? If you're that somebody, would you, would you just, see, just be seated? Some things in your life got you really concerned. Okay, just be seated. Just go ahead and sit down. Maybe it's certain somebody. Maybe it's a child that you're really concerned about. Maybe it's a job decision. <clears throat> maybe it's right now there's a diagnosis. I don't know. Maybe it's a financial situation. I don't know what's going on, but there's some things that you're just, you know, you're struggling to, to believe that God is there and that he's faithful. And so I want to ask you to be seated. Will you do that? Will you just be seated? Just sit right down. Now, here's what I want to ask the people to look around. If you see somebody seated around you, would you go and put your hand on their shoulder and just begin to pray? And I'm going to ask you to pray the same thing with me. Pray this with me, that they would be reminded tonight that he's a promise keeper. That's all you pray. You just pray that God would help them know for certain he is a promise keeper. Thank you. People moving all around the room, just find that certain somebody that's sitting down. I just believe there's somebody still standing tonight and you're, listen, I don't know what it is that's holding you standing up and you're avoiding somebody coming to pray for you, but I'm begging you, don't miss, God may do something tonight through somebody's prayer. Don't, please don't remain standing if there's something you're concerned about. Please just be seated. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. If it's important to you, it matters to God. So just be seated, Okay. And if you'll look around, if you see somebody, look around again. Just if you see somebody, see, just go put your hand on their shoulder and pray, oh, God, remind them you're a promise keeper. You're a promise keeper. We can trust you. We can trust you with our lives. We can trust you with our finances. We can trust you with our marriage, our single life. We can trust you, God, with our business. Oh, we can trust you by doing the right thing, that, Lord, it may seem as if it's going to cost us, but we can trust you, Lord, that you're going to provide and take care of our every need. If you're here tonight, you've never invited Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. I beg you tonight, don't wait one more day. Don't wait one more day. Surrender your life to Jesus tonight. Confess him as Lord.